So, hey, today we conclude our series of four Christmases. This has, honestly, this has been one of my favorite Christmas series to teach. I, I don't really like teaching about specific holidays. I'm going to be frank with you. This time I really enjoyed it because I got to teach it from a different perspective than I've ever seen before. And we, uh, we saw from Mary's perspective the first Sunday. We saw from Joseph the second Sunday. Last Sunday we saw it from Herod's perspective. And today we are going to hear from the perspective of the three wise guys. And so, uh, you know, it's always fun to kind of come up with a title. Sometimes it's not fun, but I like three wise guys. That's fun. So, surely, surely one of the greatest stories of Christmas is the story of the visit of the wise men from the East. Wherever the story of the birth of Jesus is told, so is this delightful tale of strange men from a faraway land who brought gifts to the baby Jesus. And all of you, I think, will agree with me that every children's Christmas pageant has included them. There's Joseph, there's Mary, uh, oftentimes a baby Jesus in the middle, live sometimes, sometimes it's a doll. And then we see the shepherds on the left, right? And then the wise men are on the right. And isn't it always three nervous little boys that are dressed up like oriental punk rockers and... (laughs) And they're bringing the gold and the two other gifts they can't pronounce, right? (laughs) All that we know about the wise men is found in chapter 2. They show up in verse 1, and then they disappear in verse 12, and they leave behind some unanswered questions. Let's look in God's Word and just read about the wise men this morning. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and he asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house And saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. 
And verse 16 says, Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. So who were the wise men and where did they come from? How many were there? What's the star they saw and how did it lead them to Bethlehem? How long after the birth of Jesus did they arrive in Jerusalem? And how did they know that the baby was going to be the king of Jews? Because of the mystery and the unanswered questions, great legends grew up about them. Over the centuries, the wise men were given names, Caspar, Melchar, and Balthazar. They were recognized as saints by some, and a tradition rose called the Adoration of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who is to be born the king of the Jews? Right away, we discover something interesting. The wise men, whoever they are, show up in Jerusalem after the birth of Jesus. This runs contrary to the notion that the shepherds and the wise men arrive in Bethlehem at the same time. Who thought that they all got there at the same time? None of you. Wow. You guys are learned. Okay. (laughs) Well, not so. They did not all show up at the same time. The shepherds were there the night Jesus was born, but the wise men came sometime later. How much later? No one really knows exactly. Some think probably a year or so later. And it's most definitely later because when the wise men find Jesus, he's with his mother in a house in Bethlehem, not in a manger. Notice that these wise men are called magi from the east. And that term magi is ultimately a Persian word, and it refers to a special class of priests in the Persian empire. So who were they? Well, they were the professors and the philosophers of their day. They were brilliant, highly educated scholars who were trained in medicine, in history, in religion, in prophecy, and astronomy. And they were also trained in what we would call astrology. The important fact for us to know is they were highly influential in Persia. They were, in fact, advisors to their king. And while they were not kings, it wouldn't be wrong to call them king makers because they functioned as political advisors to the Persian rulers. But why would they have traveled so far from home? It was a journey of probably a little over a thousand miles from Persia to Israel. Why would they have made such a treacherous journey? And the answer is, They made that journey because they wanted to see the baby-born king of the Jews. I find this fascinating and because they're unbelievers. They knew that a baby had been born. They didn't know where. And they knew he was a king, but they didn't know his name. And so they finally arrive in Jerusalem, the capital city, and they're seeking help. And they also assume that everyone must know about this baby. But a great surprise awaits them. 
And in verse 2, there's a detail that's baffled and intrigued Bible scholars and astronomers for 2,000 years. They say, we saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. What did they see, and how did they know it was his star, and how did they make that connection with Israel? It helps to remember that the wise men were students of the sky. They were astrologers. And this means that they would not have been put off or frightened by anything unusual they saw in the sky. It also helps to know that in those days, it wasn't uncommon to associate the birth of a great ruler with an unusual heavenly phenomena. The star, whatever it was, would make perfect sense to them and would in fact perfectly fit what they already believed. But still, what was the star? And frankly, we don't really know. The particular Greek word, uh, aster, is a very general one, and it refers to any bright object in the sky. It could refer to a star or a planet or a meteor or a comet. Over the years, there's four main theories that were brought forth. The first one, and most often, is Halley's Comet. But it couldn't be Halley's Comet because it doesn't align with the calendar. Some say it was a supernova. But supernova are very unpredictable, they're very rare, and there's no record in any astronomical reports of supernova in the years surrounding the birth of Christ. Then there's a conjunction of planets. And... That theory has some favor to it. It would explain why the Magi saw it and the people of Israel didn't. Because conjunctions don't normally attract the attention of people who don't watch the skies. But because they are astrologers, it would be very visible to them, like a comet or like a meteor shower. And the final theory is a supernatural light. You know, this theory suggests that the star was not a natural phenomenon at all, but rather a light placed by God in the atmosphere, especially for the Magi to see. And those who hold this view, which I lean towards, point to the Shekinah glory of God in the Old Testament. Does anybody remember reading about the Shekinah glory in the Old Testament? It it shone wherever they were to go to lead the people where to go. The truth is we don't know for sure what the star was, but I want to take the mystery just a step further. A star alone would not tell the Magi what they needed to know. They knew enough to come to Bethlehem to seek a baby born king of the Jews, but they didn't get that from the skies. So here's the bigger question. How did they know the star, whatever it was, meant anything at all? How did these guys know that? Well, we're greatly helped by this fact. We know that the Jews and the Persians had intermingled in the gap between Malachi and Matthew for at least 500 years. So during that 500-year period where we were not hearing from God... The Jews and the Persians were intermingled together. And it's likely that they considered Daniel to be one of their own. 
And since the time of Daniel, the Persians had known of the Jewish expectations of a Messiah. So when they saw the star, they knew the time had come. Now, just so you understand, this is not mere speculation. Let me put it this way. Everything that we know about the Jews and the Magi and the history of the ancient Near East makes this story very likely. We know that the Jews were looking for a Messiah. We know the Magi looked for the stars as their guidance. We know the Jews and the Magi intermingled for at least 500 years. We know the Magi would notice any new sign that would be in the skies. And therefore, it wouldn't surprise us that the Magi would travel to Jerusalem to greet a new Jewish king. So this story in Matthew fits perfectly with everything we know. We heard about Herod last week, and his reaction is fascinating. You know, Matthew uh, in 2 and verse 3 says that Herod, when Herod heard the news, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. That word disturbed, as I said last week, it really means to shake violently. Herod was shook up over this event. He was scared because the Magi and their likely 300 fellow travelers are also potential threats to him. 300 travelers? What do you mean, Pastor Bob? There were only the three wise guys, right? Trust me, the wise guys were not alone. You know, most of our pictures of the Magi show these three guys that are dressed like coneheads riding three camels across the desert, right? Isn't, isn't that what we see at this time of the year, right? So, but nothing could be farther from reality. There is no way under heaven that the Magi traveled a thousand miles across the desert by themselves. That would have been incredibly dangerous because of the thieves in the desert, In those days, the only way you could safely travel in the desert was with a large caravan. And at a minimum, they would have brought a full military escort with them, and they would have had their servants. And so, likely, they had 300 men or more. So, put away that notion of three guys dressed like coneheads riding across the desert. It's a big group of people. And they have now come into Herod's kingdom. No wonder he was shook up. These guys want to take over? Are they going to attack? What's happening? I mean, he's thinking about all these things going through his head. And then, you know, the whole of Jerusalem is buzzing. And I find it interesting that the Magi had no trouble getting in to see Herod. So then Herod, he turns to the scribes and the priests for advice, and he has only one question. He says, where is this child to be born? The scribes don't even have to look it up. They already know the answer. Because 700 years earlier, Micah had predicted the Messiah's birth in Bethlehem. It was common knowledge. In fact, little children learned this in Sabbath school before they were six years old. Pretty much everybody knew this fact. Well, now Herod does something that seems a little strange. He asks the Magi when the star first appeared to them. You know, and in our text today, verse 7 indicates he wanted an exact time. And he didn't tell them why he wanted to know. And when we read the story, we find out. It appears that the Magi told Herod the star first appeared to them two years earlier. 
Does this suggest that Jesus had been born two years earlier? If the Magi had told him it had first appeared two years ago, then it explains why Herod ordered all male children in Bethlehem under two years old to be put to death. That's how he came to that math. And we know what happens next. Herod asks the Magi to go to Bethlehem as his representatives <clears throat> to find out where the baby is and to report back to him so he can go and worship him, right? Herod's up to no good, and for all their wisdom, they fall for his trick. And why wouldn't they? You know, they've come so far to worship this child, and, and why wouldn't Herod do the same? They don't know Herod. They don't know his history. And so they have no reason to suspect his motives. And what we have at this point is a very interesting situation. The, the Magi haven't seen the baby Jesus yet, so they don't know how old he is. And even though the scribes know where he's to be born, they evidently don't believe the Magi know what they're talking about. Meanwhile, Herod knows where the baby is to be born, but not how old he is. So to make sure he kills him, he orders the slaughter of all the baby boys in Bethlehem. And in his mind, he's willing to kill them all to make sure he gets the one that he wants. At this point, something unusual happens, and that is the Magi set out for Bethlehem, which was only six miles south of Jerusalem, and the star they saw in the east suddenly reappears. I think they first saw it in the east. They set out for their own uh, for Jerusalem, and then they didn't see it again until they left for Bethlehem. And verse 9 is very specific. It says the star went on before them until it came and stood over the very home where the baby Jesus was. And that's necessary because although they know the child is in Bethlehem, they don't know where in Bethlehem. So the star leads them to the right house. It's a little like ordering pizza. Don't they ask you for your address? Yeah, if you want to get your pizza, you got to tell them where. The star is telling them exactly where to go. Doesn't sound like any natural star to me. It sounds like a miraculous star created by God to lead the Magi to a particular house. And no wonder they rejoiced with great joy. At the end of their long, hard journey, they had found the king of the Jews. It tells us in verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Somehow, though the Magi were not religious men, they saw beyond the present and into the future and they worshiped him. They saw this child would one day rule the world and they were not ashamed to fall on their faces before him. Now we come to the last detail, the one for which the Magi are most remembered. They opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And these gifts are expensive and they represent a worthy tribute. But beyond that, there's a very ancient tradition that sees these gifts as symbolic of who this child would become. Gold points to his majesty because he's going to be a king. 
Frankincense points to his deity because he is God. Myrrh is used for burial, pointing to his humanity. For he's destined to suffer and to die. Did the Magi understand all of this? Probably not. But God arranged it so their gifts to the Holy Child would point us to who he is and why he came. In summary, I offer three truths from this story for your consideration. What does all this information matter? Pastor Bob, tie it in a bow. Here it comes. If the wise men can find Jesus, so can you. Think of how many barriers they had to cross to get to Jesus. There was a culture barrier, a distance barrier, a language barrier, a racial barrier, a religious barrier, not to speak of a hostile king and indifferent religious leaders, religious leaders who didn't even care about the event. It wasn't easy for them to find Jesus, but they did. And if they found him then so can you. Second, if God can use a star to draw pagan astrologers to Jesus, then he can use anything to reach anybody. I will tell you this, over the years I have heard amazing testimonies of how people have come to know Jesus that you would say, no way, how could that be linked to that? You know, sometimes we despair of seeing our friends come to Jesus because nothing we say seems to have the slightest effect on them. I feel this story should give us great hope. Our God is infinitely creative in the things he can use to break through to people who seem to be so far from him. He can use a star, a book, a tract, a television show, a song, a bow and arrow, a chance comment. He can even use a country western revival. (laughs) If God can reach the wise men, he can reach anybody. Before we discuss the final truth, I want us to watch a short video together.
What a gift. When I think about the fact that God loved us so much that he wants to spend an eternity with us. You know, we think of time in a linear fashion and we can see where it begins and ends for us somewhat. But we're talking about an eternity. It never, ever ends. And God did all of these things for us. Sent his son Jesus for us because he wanted to spend an eternity with us. You know, if the wise men offered Jesus gifts fit for a king, then so should we. It's good to remember that the tradition of giving gifts at Christmas time didn't start with Santa Claus, it started with the wise men. And God's gift to us, Jesus, the greatest gift ever given. I think so often we get caught up in giving and receiving, we forget where it is that it all began. It's good to give gifts to each other. It's even better to give gifts to Jesus. It's good to show our love to those that we love, but it's even better to love the one who loved us when we were unlovely. This surely is the meaning of this story of the three wise guys. This year and every year and all during the year, we're invited to return to Jesus. Let's stand up together and we'll close. Perhaps you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor Bob... I've heard this story a million times, but today it did something in my heart. And I recognize that I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And so I'm going to ask everyone with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, no looking around. If you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor Bob, today is the day I've recognized I need Jesus in my life. I recognize that he died for me. I recognize that he loved me so much. He wanted to spend an eternity with me. If you want to make that commitment today, I ask you just to look up at me quickly and I'll look across the room. I see those eyes. Amen. Mm. I'd like us to pray together out loud. The reason I have everybody do this is it gives us practice in how to lead someone else in this prayer at work, in our neighborhood, in our homes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Jesus, I thank you that you loved me when I was unlovely. Today I confess my sin and I ask you to take it to the cross. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As always, we are going to make the People Church a safe place for people to find and follow Jesus.
Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be in your presence again today. We thank you for what your son Jesus has done for us. We thank you for this season when we are so reminded of how he came for us. I pray that you would give these in this room a holy boldness and a confidence as they share what Jesus did for their family members, with their friends, with the people they work with. We ask that there would be people who would come to know you as Savior in this week in our celebrations. Bless these today as they go. Keep them safe as they travel. In Jesus' name, amen.